Well, as you probably saw from the bulletin, we are entering the Advent season. And so we're taking a break from our normal sermon series in the Gospel of John to focus on some of the music of Christmas. You'll notice uh, the front cover of our bulletin is a first for us at Pinewoods Church. It is an AI-generated image for our bulletin cover. Uh, And it was much more difficult than it looks. Uh, For some reason, the AI bot that we used kept thinking that the Christmas angel wearing headphones should look like Jennifer Aniston. Uh, That was not what we were going for, so it took us a few different tries to get it right. So thank you, Kate, and thank you to uh, our uh, computer overlords who will soon uh, crush us all. Uh, Remember us kindly. Well, we're giving our attention to the reading of God's Word, John or Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 55. This is God's Word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever." And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, Answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard The greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy." And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercies for those who fear him from generation to generation 
He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O oh Lord our God, fill us with great joy in this Christmas story. Lord, give us hope and healing. Bring us near to the throne of your grace, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Christmas music. Starting the day after Thanksgiving and winding up around the 2nd of January, our house and our cars are filled with Christmas music. We listen to pop Christmas, classical Christmas, jazz Christmas, punk Christmas, lo-fi Christmas, hip-hop Christmas, country Christmas, and CCM Christmas. If it's about Christmas... It's on our Spotify playlist from now until the end of the year. Why do so many people love Christmas music? Is it just habit or tradition or sentimentality? How important is music to the Christmas story? Is this an ancient thing? Is it a modern thing? Where did we get all these Christmas songs and carols? Now, you might be surprised to learn that music has always played a very important role in the Christmas story. In fact, I would go so far as to say that we cannot tell the story of Christmas without focusing on the music of Christmas. Because in the Bible, music is what happens when God's grace overwhelms you. When you begin to see the wonder of Christmas, the glorious good news that God has sent his own son Jesus to this earth to be our savior and our king, when that news touches the deepest part of who you are, then your soul must magnify the Lord. First we hear the story, and then we sing the song. In that sense, all Christmas music is soul music. If Ray Charles and Otis Redding found themselves in the little town of Bethlehem, they would be right at home. Now, if it's generally true that music is important to the Christmas story, it's especially true that music is important to Luke's account of the Christmas story. In Luke's account, which is the most detailed of the two gospel accounts, we hear the story of Christmas in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. In that account, four different times we're given part of the Christmas story, followed immediately by a Christmas song. Four couplets, first the story and then the song. It's almost as if Luke composed the very first Christmas musical. As we read these four Christmas stories and listen to these four Christmas songs, we're reminded that whenever God's people hear the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus, our long-awaited Savior, has come to us, we can't contain ourselves. We simply have to sing about the wonders of his love, just like Mary 
and Zechariah and Simeon and the angels, we inhale God's grace and we exhale God's praise. As we'll see during this Advent season, this really is the most important, most, most powerful, most awe-inspiring, life-changing birth announcement in the history of the world. It was a message that was first announced to a young woman named Mary. And today we're going to hear her story before listening to her song. Having been made beautiful by God, she responded by singing a beautiful song, a song that weaves together a rich tapestry of Old Testament scriptures to express her gratitude to the God who favored her, who literally bestowed grace upon her and called her blessed. Her song shows us the heart of, of a woman who knew the heart of God, even as the heart of God was literally beating inside her body. Amazing. Mary's song is the very first Christmas song, and at the risk of having you stay home during the rest of the Advent season, I think it's the best. So let's give our attention to this story. And the question is for us, will we sing along? Will we sing the good news of the gospel of God's grace? Or will we keep the gospel message of Christmas at arm's length, hidden behind a veil of warm sentimentality or cold formality? Will God's grace touch our hearts this Christmas season? Pretty simple outline this morning, an outline that we'll be using throughout this Advent season as we explore the first four songs of Christmas As recorded in the book of Luke, first we'll hear the story, and then we'll listen to the song. First, we'll see that Mary was an ordinary woman who became an extraordinary woman by faith. And then we'll see how her song magnifies her Lord and her Savior. Are you ready? All right, let's take a closer look at Mary's story followed by Mary's song, The Magnificat. We begin with Mary's story. Now, according to Luke's account, Mary was an ordinary person. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The story opens in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and earlier in the story we read that God had given her an unexpected son of her own, a young boy that they called John. God explicitly came to Zechariah and Elizabeth and said, the boy's name shall be John. Now that's an important detail because the last thing that God had said in the Old Testament, in the prophet Malachi, was that he would send an Elijah-like figure who would prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior King of Israel. That promise was made and now fulfilled in the coming of Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist. 
who went sent to prepare the way for Jesus. These two miraculous births, the birth of John, John the Baptist, and the birth of Jesus are inextricably linked to one, to one another because both of them together show that our God is a God who keeps his promises. He may seem slow in keeping those promises. We may have to wait like the people of old, the Old Testament waited for hundreds of years. But our God always keeps his word. We can always trust him. He will always do what he has promised to do. Luke tells us that Mary lived in a very ordinary city, the city of Nazareth. City is probably a bit of a stretch. Town is probably a bit of a stretch. Nazareth was a tiny village, a one-stoplight, roadside diner type of town. Probably no more than 100, maybe 200 people lived in the city of Nazareth. It was a tiny village located between the port cities of Tyre and Sidon, of a place where you go through, but not necessarily to. A lot of people went through Nazareth on the way to Tyre or the way to Sidon, but almost nobody went to Nazareth except for the very few people who were fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to live there. It is definitely not the type of place that you would expect to find a mighty work of God. Nazareth was so small and so insignificant that it's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. And the one time it is mentioned in the New Testament, it's not mentioned in a very positive light. <laughs> the people who hear about it are so shocked that anything that good could happen there that Nathaniel, one of the first disciples, infamously said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is, by human understanding, no. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You would probably get a similar reaction from your friends and neighbors in cantonment if you told them that you had hired a pastor from California. <laughs> you hired a pastor from California. Can anything good come out of California? I get it. I'm not offended. If I didn't come there from there myself, I would probably say something of the same. Now, Mary was an ordinary teenager. We don't know exactly how old she was, but our best guess is that she was between 14 and 16 years old. She wasn't married, no pun intended, but she was engaged to an ordinary carpenter named Joseph. Now, ordinarily, people in those days did not have babies before they were married in cities like Nazareth, which is why Luke reminds us that Mary was a virgin. She was expecting to have an ordinary baby after marrying an ordinary guy like Joseph, which was the ordinary thing, way that things were done in an ordinary city like Nazareth. To put it bluntly, Mary was sociologically and theologically the last person on earth that you and I would choose to be the mother of the Son of God. She was the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was too young. She was too poor. She was too insignificant. But, as we'll see next, the amazing thing about God's grace is that he uses Unexpected people who live in unexpected places 
to do some very, very unexpected things. Verse 28, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was astonished. Who is this? Where did he come from? And what does he mean? Verse 30, when the angel, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word we translate favor is the Greek word charis, which often means grace. You have found, Mary, grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, King David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. At first, she couldn't believe it. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. Verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, that child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. That good news changed Mary's life forever. She believed and she was saved. In other words, Mary was an ordinary person who became an extraordinary person because she believed the promises of of God. She believed in Jesus before Jesus was even born. Now, did she have some questions about what was happening? Of course she did. She asked, how can this be since I'm a virgin? That's a good question. It's okay to ask God questions. God is not afraid of our questions. God wants us to ask good questions as long as we're willing to hear God's answers. If you're willing to hear God's answers, then ask as many questions as you want. The truth, having nothing to fear from investigation, must be pursued at all costs. But here's the thing. Whether we get all the answers or a few of the answers and some of the mysteries, extraordinary things begin to happen in our lives when we say, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your will. How do we become great people? How do ordinary people become extraordinary people like Mary? It's not about our achievements, as important as those are. I want you to achieve things. I want you to succeed at work and at school. I know some of our students have final exams and final projects coming up. We want you to finish well. That's good. But it's not about your achievements. It's not about our relationships. Again, I want you to have good relationships with your friends and your family members. We had a great time with our family during Thanksgiving. I hope you did too. It's a beautiful thing to be surrounded by friends and family members. But greatness is not about that. It's not about finding our friends and our Elizabeths as Mary did. The point is we become great by believing the promises of God. We become great by embracing Jesus as our Savior and our King, which is where we're going next.
That's the story. Here's the song. Mary's song is often called the Magnificat. Magnificat comes from a Latin word which means magnify. The very first line of the, the song which we read and sang together is, My soul magnifies the Lord. It's a beautiful song. Poignant and powerful and passionate. Doubly amazing when you consider that it was composed by a teenage girl. Now, I don't know about you, how many of you composed uh, poetry when you were a teenager, but I composed poetry when I was a teenager, and it was nothing like this. Uh, this, this poem, and this song, makes uh, Taylor Swift look like William Shakespeare. No offense, Swifties. But uh, it's just a beautiful, poignant song. Who could come up with this? Here's the secret. What Mary sings in this song, the Magnificat, is the essence of the Christian faith. If you want to understand what Christianity is, what it's all about, why Christmas matters, why we say it's good news, the gospel is good news, it's right here in the first two lines of the song. Verse 46, to be a Christian is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The rest of the whole song is an exploration of those two themes. Mary's God is both her Lord and her Savior. As our Lord, our God is omniscient, He knows all things, verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary's saying, God knows me. He knows me. He knows I'm young. He knows I'm poor. He knows I'm pregnant. He knows I'm unmarried. He he knows I'm scared. He knows that to the world out there, I'm a nobody. He knows everything that there is to know about me, and he loves me. He cares. Do you know that about God? Do you know that he knows everything about you? All of the good stuff, all the bad stuff, all the triumphs, all of the failures. He knows you and he loves you. He cares. He looks down upon our humble estate, sinners who desperately need God's grace. And he loves us, gives us courage and hope. There is nothing about our lives that is surprising to God. There is nothing in our lives that is confusing to God. He knows it all, and He loves us like His own. As our Savior, God gives us dignity. Verse 48, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary was an unwed teenage mother, In her culture, that was one of the worst things that a young woman could be. Joseph would probably break off her engagement. Her family would probably kick her out of the house. Nobody's going to believe this story about an angel and the Holy Spirit and a virgin birth. When Mary heard it, she hardly believed it. Humanly speaking, we look at Mary and we say, she is the, the dictionary definition of cursed she is the, whatever blessed is, she is the exact opposite of blessed. But that's not how Mary saw things. 
She said, I'm blessed because God has chosen me to be the mother of my Lord. I'm blessed because God has a part for me to play in the great story of redemption. I'm blessed because God sees me and knows me and loves me and has employed me to do his will. I am his servant. Do you know that you are blessed? Do you know this Christmas season that you are an adopted child of the King? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you are crowned with glory and honor? Do you know that Jesus died on the cross to save everyone who believes in him? Now, we're only scratching the surface. As our Lord, Mary says, God is mighty. There are no limits to his power. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. As our Savior, God loves us personally. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. As our Lord, our God is holy. As our Savior, our God is merciful. As our Lord, our God is powerful. He scatters his enemies. As our Savior, he is generous. He is a God who gives good gifts to his children. As our Lord, the, God, our God is just. Those who exploit and neglect the poor, especially at Christmas time, but really at any time of the year, they will not escape God's wrath. As our Savior, Jesus is merciful. For those who are in Christ, the fire of God's wrath has been extinguished on the cross. And there is, therefore, now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. There is now no condemnation for those of us who believe in him. Now, here's the amazing thing. Remember, what does the name Jesus mean? The name Jesus, Yeshua, means Savior. It comes from a root that means salvation. And the name Christ, Christos, means the Anointed One, our King, our Lord. And so the question is, how can God be both our Lord and our Savior? How can he be both a God of justice, who gets justice for the oppressed, and a God of mercy, who forgives the oppressors? How can those two things exist in one person, in the mind and soul of God? The answer is, God became a human being. The God who always was and always will be joined his divine nature to a human nature and became one person, the person Jesus Christ. The word, John says, became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace He's our Savior and truth. He's our Lord. Jesus lived the perfect life that we should have lived and died a sacrificial death in our place in order to reconcile us 
to God. That's why the gospel is good news. God has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. That means Christmas is a time of healing and hope. If you, like Mary, believe the promises of God, if your voice, like Mary's voice, rings out with glorious praise for Jesus, your Savior King. If you think that the essence of Christianity is being a nice person, if you think that the message of Christmas is about making sure that you are on your best behavior because Jesus is making a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice, you'll never be filled with wonder because you don't know who Jesus is and you don't know what Christmas is all about. Jesus is not an old guy in a red suit who gives us what we deserve. He's the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior, who gives us exactly what we do not deserve. All of the blessings of God, which are given to us who believe in Him. Through Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, God gives grace to everyone who believes. That's the story. And that's the song. 2,000 years ago, the majesty and mercy of God came together in the body of one teenage girl, Mary. And it changed her life forever. Christmas will change your life forever if you believe. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, which, which is greater than we could ever ask or imagine. We pray, Lord God, that you would fill us with great gratitude when we think about the wonders of what you've done for us in Jesus. And I pray that this Christmas season, this Advent season, that our souls would join Mary in magnifying the Lord. Fill us with gratitude, Lord God, for the wonders of your grace. Hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.